0: Yeah, buddy, it's Thursday morning. We're off and rolling. This is a lifestyle business podcast. That's the LBP, baby. And I am joined this week, as is per the usual, by my captain, my co host, a man standing dangerously close to me, a man who puts the tank into tank top. Welcome to Bali, sir. It's good to have you back on the program. In fact, you are contractually obliged to be here. Yes, and it's good to be here. (laughs) If you guys stick around to the end of the episode, we'll share with you our updated travel hacks. For 2012, if this is your first time listening to the LBP, as it might be, there are a lot of new listeners. We're getting some more action in iTunes lately. Um, Ian and I are two guys who make the lion's share of our income from running legitimate uh, businesses, which is a damn shame. Someday, we will be success gurus and make millions. Can't wait.
1: Until, Until then, it's the balance sheet's...
0: It's the employee management, and uh, it's just all the hustle that goes into uh, being an entrepreneur, which is what we're going to talk about today, the distinction between hustlers and entrepreneurs. Also, we're going to share our specific life goals because some of the listeners have asked us. They're interested to know what we're thinking about doing with our lives, so we'll share with you guys. And As always, I would love to hear you know, what you guys are up to. Feel free to send us emails or comment on the post or tweet us. Um, we'd love to hear what you guys are up to. So,
1: a couple quick shouts. The taxes episode got booted. Yes. Lots of talk, lots of talk about how you shouldn't be talking about taxes online. Uh, I mean, we're going to talk about some good stuff, but we're going to put it off a couple weeks because Mr. McKeegan is
0: busy. And he, getting, a, getting a meeting with McKeegan is like trying to sit down with Obama. That's right. All right. So I uh, also want to say thank you for everybody for sending in their pictures for our who wear section on our website. That's kind of like a testimonial section. And if you do that, first off, you'll warm our hearts, but also we'll give you a, a backlink
1: to whatever you want. So that's pretty useful for your site. I didn't tell you this yet, but I'm thinking about making some stickers. Stickers? Yeah. Thinking about making some stickers. We haven't done anything yet, but I found a site, got pretty good prices on them. I'm thinking about making some like stickers. Like LB, yeah, buddy stickers? Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Also,
0: why don't you check out the new design at Lifestyle Business Podcast and let you, uh, let us know what you think. I want to give a special shout out to Bree here in Bali. She's at Breezy Skies on Twitter. She really helped us out with that design. She's she knows what she's talking about, whereas we don't. So thank you, Bree. Um, our first private link network sale in the DC is going very well. Yep. Uh, DCers are first come, first serve. But if you want to hear about that. Um, I'm going to reserve all the spots for the DCers, but there's probably going to be a couple spots left. So if you're interested in that, just send me an email, dan at lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. And last week we got four emails about that David Crandall Sniffer app. Yes, very cool stuff. Very cool stuff. Um, The instructions uh, for setting that up in your Chrome browser will be at... At the episode notes for this podcast. I actually pasted it incorrectly last week. Yeah. Um, so I put it on a Word document just to make sure that everybody has really clear instructions. Let's get moving on to the iTunes reviews. We got one
1: from Carl. How do you pronounce Carl's last name? I never met him yet. Uh, I've talked to him on the phone. And uh, ooh, it's Carl gonna, for we're sure. We're going to butcher this. Yeah. It's
0: Carl who runs a blog, Carl.Gaida.com, I think. Right. He just changed his blog. Carl, it's really an honor to have you listening to the program every week. Uh, Carl says, I've been listening to LPB for a long time, and the reason is simple. Dan and Ian, tell it like it's straight. Five stars. Thank you, sir. Uh, Next review, five stars from – how do you say that? Jog Giggity? (laughs) People are getting super crazy. Warning, listening to this podcast while driving is dangerous. As always, we like to put lives at risk, as we do regularly here in Bali, by having our interns drive on motorcycles. Bad idea. One of the best gems out there. Five stars. Thank you, Jan Ruse. These guys keep it real. We're going to keep it real today. And great information from Jose. Dan and Ian are the real deal. If you can't figure out what to do next after listening to them, just keep your damn job.
1: No hiding behind vague theories. <laughs> this guy should listen to us next to the pool. <laughs> All right, Ian. Let's get moving on to the meat and potatoes. Are you a hustler
0: or an entrepreneur? And how to dreamline like a boss. So you guys know we talk a lot about hustle on the program, right? Right. But we want to make a distinction here between hustle and being a hustler. Right. And. Basically, the difference is, is hustle is sort of a skill set. Like, it's a skill that you can have. Being a hustler is a way to characterize
1: a type of person. So, like, you can be a hustler or you can hustle as an entrepreneur. Right. But then there's also a hustler and entrepreneur. Right. So,
0: what we want to try to lay out here is you basically, you, everybody basically starts out as a hustler. But you got to make the evolution into becoming an entrepreneur. So, And a lot of this involves sort of long-term thinking. And that's why we thought about these distinctions
1: as we were making our dream lines. And so our theory here is that a hustler is a little bit more short-term thinking, whereas an entrepreneur is a little bit more sustainable, long-term style. That kind of stuff. So, well, let's just talk about the five distinctions that we have here.
0: So the first one, the bet- difference between a hustler and an entrepreneur is that entrepreneurs are writing scripts and hustlers are executing scripts that have already been written. Classic example of the hustler is the used car salesman or the guy that's out there flipping homes. Right. You know, a lot of people that are in the flipping homes industry, they know this is to be the fact that the entrepreneurs, the guys who are building scalable, long-term industries, are actually coaching people on how to flip homes because the hustle required to flip homes, it's the same information every time. You're competing with everybody that's actually like not as scalable, not as sustainable. So the true entrepreneurs don't stay flipping homes. They write books
1: like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Right. That's the entrepreneurial
0: thing to do. That shit
1: scales. Right. And so I was a hustler a couple years ago because I was flipping cars. And so I'd go to Craigslist. I'd find good deals. I had my own method, right. you know, but that wasn't really entrepreneurial. That was hustler. Right. So the entrepreneurial move would then be to create some kind of system
0: that you believed in. That could then you could perpetuate that kind of hustle in more of a system than just having to show up every day and bang it out. Right. So, the, the second difference we're identifying here is self confidence versus product confidence. A lot of people say, ah, oh, yeah, that's great for you guys because you're so confident. You just show up and you do whatever you want. But it's actually not that. It's more about having confidence in the services that you offer. Like, mm-hmm. I'm confident that. The DC is the best membership site for location-independent entrepreneurs in the world. Right. I'm confident that when I started this podcast that I thought it needed to happen because I thought it was going to be the best podcast. Not because of something that is in us, but it's something that I saw in the products on the market. And I was like, well, if we could make these small adjustments, we could make this the best. Right. Um, and so the, I think this is important, though, because a lot of times these... BS products, these internet marketing products, these coaching kind of things that everybody's angry about—that actually requires more personal confidence because you're basically selling yourself. Right. Ian and I are in an awesome position where we don't have to sell ourselves because we're focused on creating products. Right. So I think that that's a huge difference. If you're a hustler, you have such a thin margin in terms of value that you have to go out and like have this huge self belief, like. I'm going to be magnet, man. Everybody's going to listen to me. Whereas if you're more product focused, it's like, actually, the benefits of my products are ridiculous. I was talking with Alyssa the other day, and we were talking about selling insurance. Okay. And we were going back and forth about all these NLP, like, bullshit kind of sales tactics and stuff. And she said, all right, Mr. Guru, what's your number one sales hack in the world? And I said, have the best product. That's it. That's right. the shortcut to... Being the best salesperson in the world is actually having the best product. Like don't start selling something
1: until you know you can provide extra value in a certain kind of way. Right. And I think that's something we try to do with all our businesses. Excuse me. We might not start off with the best product. So we might kind of have to like hustle up in the beginning there. But we end up long-term view wanting the best product, having the best product. Yeah. Well, a hack to that is to like just
0: figure out one little way in which you're better. And just maybe it's just one little way for a small group of people, but that's the way to get there fast. You don't have to be like the Apple at the beginning or whatever. Apple started maybe with just like some little thing that was better and then you kind of creep up. Let's get moving on the third thing. It's ego and money focus versus product and customer focus. I think this one's pretty obvious. I mean, it's always like me, 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 me for people that are just getting started. For hustlers, I need to make this much. No way am I going to work with that person. They're not going to pay me enough. (laughs) And, And it's just like at a certain point, you have to say it's not about you at all. It's about your customers. It's about how they're feeling. It's about the kinds of value that you're delivering to them. And that's an evolution that you get through, you know, being in the game for a long time and getting beat up. I mean, if you're out there, every hustler knows this. It hurts Is people are mad at you and that's why a lot of hustlers kind of have this bad vibe about them because they're getting traumatized every day emotionally so they turn into jerks. Right. Whereas the other way out is to kind of get, become the entrepreneur to
1: see the value that you created and, and, and sort of create something bigger than yourself. I'm, uh, I'm starting to get back into Gary V. I don't know if I told you about this but he's like he's really coming out with some good ideas and so I watched his 2011 keynote last night it, pre- it hit me pretty hard right. I was a keynote to the I think the Inc 500 group and he just told like a little stories like 10 seconds long about how he drove a case of wine up to some lady's house because she was like super old and like the FedEx package didn't arrive or whatever right. and you know he gets nothing for that basically except for knowing that she's really happy about it she's gonna be a long-term custom customer and he's really happy about it, you know? Right. But uh, that's, that's hustling for that customer. But I think that's, he, he has a real long-term vision in mind with that. And a lot of people think, like, that's not scalable. But that is scalable today, I think. I love Seth Godin's
0: comment yesterday in his blog post. He said, your time isn't scalable, but your bravery is. And that was like a brave move, a confident move, where he just went out there and believed in his brand and believed in what was going to come of that in the future. And maybe instead of driving to the old lady in the
1: mountains in the future, he's going to drive up to some huge influencer and ask him something big. Right. He's got practice doing it. Now, the hustler in, in, in our definitions here would never take the time, I don't think, to go over to that lady's me, house. Me, 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 me. Again, uh, you know,
0: the fourth distinction we've got here is, you know, creating a self-employed situation versus building something bigger and transferable. I think that distinction is pretty obvious. And the fifth distinction is short-term thinking versus long-term thinking. And I want to use this as a seg to talk about Dreamlines. Listener Eric wrote us an email. He said, first off, Eric's a dc -er. He says, DC is hands down my favorite website. Thank you, sir. It's a huge shout. It's actually my favorite website. It's right up there with Hacker News. Um, Love them both. So let's talk about what Eric wants to hear about, which is our personal and business goals. And let's talk about this in the context of dreamlining, which is something that I'm still so happy that we took this earnestly because a lot of times we're not like, I don't know. It's sometimes tough to be earnest, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe especially when you're a bit jaded and you're younger you know we thought we were cool we thought we were better than everybody we weren't going to sit down and actually
1: write out actually what we desired yeah it gets really it, it's kind of weird i don't know if this is like an american thing or whatever but like uh expressing your feelings your desires things Especially like that dudes yeah it's <laughs> super you know, not cool we, ian and i like were so giddy over the
0: four-hour work week that we were like Hey, man, did you see that spreadsheet that Tim put in the book? Let's fill it out together yeah. at the beach. <laughs> at the beach, you know? And we did it. And it was cool, actually, because I remember writing out nine things that I wanted to either have, be, or do, which is the format of Tim. And we're going to have our own customized Dreamline spreadsheet, which is an improvement over Tim's, at the, the Lifestyle Business com for you guys to download uh, for free. And for free. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we can charge. for it. Like, These
1: guys are totally hip. Like,
0: don't be a jackass, guys. No, it's, 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 a, it's a spreadsheet that if you guys are feeling earnest and you want to sit down and do this exercise with us, you can go there. And we're going to explain how what that looks like right now. Um, so basically, we sat down. I remember writing out nine, and I could probably even list them off the top of my head. Yep. At the time, I wanted to be a location-independent entrepreneur. I did not own a laptop. Yep. And, you know, that's a heavy way to travel, putting that computer in your suitcase like that. When I wrote down these goals, I had no idea how I was going to achieve them. And after eight months, I'd achieved eight of the nine objectives.
1: Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. I'm looking back at my dream line because I like to I like to bring up the old ones that I've done, 2007, 2008, 2009. Some of them are just finally now starting to boomerang. Right. And so, you know, those are like long, long-term goals. I mean, I think a lot of them... I accomplished immediately, but there were some on there that just took longer than I thought. And so that's why I think it's really important to actually go back and look and say, wow, I can't believe that took so long, or I can't believe I accomplished that so short of a time period.
0: All right, so we were trying to answer Eric's question, and one of our first attempts was to say, you know, Ian had these goals for the portable bar company. And he was like, well, you know, I'm going to move this many units and all this stuff, and then we ended up taking it off. So let's talk about the philosophy of why the PBC is not on... This podcast right now
1: is why is it on our dream line? Yeah, I'll start with like a more personal one and then I'll go into the PBC. So uh, back in 2008, I think I said I wanted like a racing motorcycle. And that was having a racing motorcycle. It was having the motorcycle. It was having the money to go to the track all the time. It was racing. And so um, that took actually a long time to accomplish because I I like to travel and there's kind of competing interests with that. Anyways, uh, it happened this year. I bought a racing motorcycle. Actually, I got two of them now. I just (laughs) wanted one of them up. Anyways, so uh, and I've actually I went to the racetrack uh, eight times in the last five months, which is more than anybody else I talked to at the racetrack. So I'm either an idiot spending way too much money or I'm really living my passion. But the point is that it took a long time to accomplish that. And then also uh, that's something that's been accomplished. So uh, I'm living that dream today, right now, this year. It doesn't need to be on my dream line anymore. I need to move on. I need to set other goals. Uh, so the same thing with a portable bar uh, that was on the dream line. Uh, it's something that we're executing on this year. So I, I don't feel like I want to focus on it as much as I want to execute on it. No. That's a great point.
0: It's, it's kind of like this issue of execution. I mean. We see the trajectory there. Like if you were to ask me, you know, Dan, how are you going to make those sales goals happen? I could give you a pretty coherent story about how that's going to happen. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. That's not lofty enough. There has to be some kind of disconnect because what you want to do is get yourself focused on stuff that's like out of your, your comfort zone, out of the things that you can readily make connections. Because I think what happens is if you like throw your anchor
1: out far enough You'll start to make connections you wouldn't otherwise have made. And it, it's a little bit daunting, maybe even a little bit painful. We sat here before we did this podcast and we said, well, like, what do we really want? Like, what do we really want? Like, what's ridiculous? And that's kind of what we did the first time we sat down. We set some ridiculous goals, but there were things that we really wanted. Right. And uh, I think when we sat down a couple hours ago, we kind of listed out things that were within reach. It wasn't, wasn't enough of a reach. So let's talk about the basic structure of a dream line and how it works.
0: And then we'll just quickly move on to like the things that are on ours. Mm -hmm. Um, So the basic structure of a dream line is three different categories of things. Being, doing, and having. So, you know, an example of doing would be like, I want to go golfing every week. An example of having would be, I want to have a bag full of Titleist. An example of being would be, I want to be... Um, a member of the golf club. So okay. that's how kind of I would go out about it. The second thing is you wanna calculate the cost per month so that a level of cash flow that you need to have. I mean, Ian and I even had savings goals. So like I wanna you know be a person that has a, a, mass, uh, like a 100% 401k. So that can be on this Dreamline sheet as well. You calculate out the monthly income that you need to achieve. And the goal of the exercise is just to give you that realistic nut. You know, if you want to have a Ferrari maximum 401k contribution and you want to join the country club, boom, you got your number there, whatever it is. And then the, the additional step that Ian and I do that Ferris didn't do, I don't think, is you want to calculate how many products, services, or clients you need to have in order to get there. Right. Less the expenses that you're going to have at that scale. So you want to think about how many widgets you're shipping, essentially, to get you to that lifestyle. Right. I mean, Ian and I basically divide our personal profit by 993s. So, like, I have a little infographic in my head that's like, sometimes the whale tail is cut off, you know, because like, (laughs) it didn't quite get another Porsche in there. (laughs) But actually, that's what we do. We talk about, you know, if we can ship 250 of these products next year, here's what we're looking at. So I think that's an important thing. So anyway, you guys can download that spreadsheet. I absolutely encourage you to be as earnest and as dorky and as douchey as possible. Just write down the real shit. Write down the real stuff that you want in your life and just look at it. It's kind of like facing yourself. Yeah. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, actually, that's what I want. So speaking of feeling a little bit douchey, let's talk about the kinds of things that we would like to reach for this year. These are things that we don't
1: feel like we have clear paths to get done? Okay, so the first thing that I think we share together is that we want some personal assistance in our life. And I think uh, with the introduction of Justin Hayes and some of the stuff that we're reading and seeing on the internet, I think a sports massage therapist is definitely in line. We've been learning some different trigger point techniques from Justin. That's gonna be very addicting to me, I can tell this year. And I want somebody to help me out with that. I don't want that to be um, kind of a, a. I need some help. Yeah, um, the bottom line for me on that, by the way, is
0: I have very bad posture from working so much at a laptop. Yeah, you
1: can see, like both of us, like how our neck is gonna be coming out of our chest in about 20 <laughs> years, I and mean, I can see it's horrible. But then I look at these guys on the internet, and, and they're like totally in line. So aligning spines, I think getting away from this internet posture is a really good thing. Next on there, I think that we both uh, need to come up with a business coach, a nutritionist, and potentially doctors and dentists that we have on call, all the time, basically. I really feel bad about um, some of my health issues. I mean, I don't feel like I'm unhealthy per se, but I, I feel like there's barriers to getting to the dentist. I feel like there's barriers to going to the doctor. Uh, I know that people do uh, scans yearly or every six months of their whole, like a whole body scan. I need to get on that program. I need to know exactly what my body's doing. Right. I can afford it now, so that barrier isn't necessarily there. The, what what isn't there is the information, and so I need to, I need people in my life to help me get that information. Right, and I think. You
0: know, this is one of the benefits of being in this position. I mean, um, where you have a business, I think this is like the next level of personal freedom for me is freedom from myself, you know, putting myself into better environments where I have better information for me to learn all the information that Justin Hayes knows right now would cost me six months of learning. Right. And so if we could uh, vet a qualified sports alignment
1: therapist, well then boom, that's, that's a hack. And I think part of the reason I haven't done this in the past is it seems like overindulgent. Maybe it seems like a rich guy thing. But opposed to being a hustler or hustling, I want to be an entrepreneur about this shit. I want, to, I want the long term. Yeah, the we're going to be at this. this shit for 40 years, man. So we've got to keep
0: it tight. All right. Number two, I'd like to get a book contract this year. I've been Boom. Re- reading a little bit about it. That's a reach goal. I'm not a writer. In fact, when I started the blog, I wasn't a writer at all. I like writing. I mean, people remember a lot on the podcast, we talk about wanting to be like Adam Carolla. I actually think writing could, has a different sort of power than podcasting. Podcasting has this relationship power. People, you know, become our friends. They feel like they know us. I think maybe people are a little bit more inspired to action by listening to each other on audio, but writing has the potential to give people new languages with which to talk about things. And When you look at the impact that the 4-Hour Workweek had, it wouldn't have had the same impact if it was like the 4-Hour Podcast. Right. Maybe. I don't know. But I do think it equipped people with a language with which to talk about a new way to do business, a new way to live life. And I'd like to participate in that with some of the simple things that I know about. And one of the things I feel very passionate about is entrepreneurial mentorship, internships, and matching those two desires up and so i want to write a book about it i want to help more people get into this idea of like the tropical workforce and stuff like that
1: so at some point this year you're going to move down to the keys and have a bunch of cats hanging out with you and you're just going to lock yourself up maybe have a bodyguard at the door or something like absolutely that. buddy i'm going to really
0: work on that drink and too you know do the writer thing uh let's talk about the next one which is a summit about hyper internationalization and micro multinationals, but with some of the world's premier location independent entrepreneurs. I feel like this would be a big reach for us because, I don't know, this isn't really our crowd, like these premier high-level people. We meet them, and when we come to the table with them, it's kind of like, oh, you know, I could belong here. This could work. But I just feel like we haven't asserted ourselves ever in any Mm -hmm. leadership capacity, and I think that there's an opportunity to do so, especially with micro multinationals, which is new space. It's the frontier and people need to get together and share information at the highest levels. And I feel like we could proctor that kind of thing if we really grow some balls and go forward and do it.
1: Yeah. I think it's scary because we don't know a lot about it yet. We want to talk about it. So
0: yes. Next thing, Ian and I would like to lead investments in disruptive platform style companies in our industries you know, in order to do this, it's kind of like being an angel investor. I think we both want to be angel investors someday, but we're not smart enough. We're not good enough. We're not rich enough to do these things. And, you know, do you want to talk about the disruptive platform that you kind of have in mind right now for manufacturing?
1: Yeah, I think that, um, I, I'm really hot and trying to, uh, spread my seat all over the place about this, um, 3d printing. I think that we don't exactly know what's going to happen with 3d printing, but I think it's going to be very disruptive in the supply chain, right. uh, in a way that's going to damage, uh, potentially Amazon and especially retail. And so, um, so you think like yeah. malls are just gonna be like laid waste. They're gonna be like coffee shops. Potentially. I mean, right now we can only, uh, kind of efficiently print plastic. Um, and uh, it's the resolution isn't very high I'm speaking of the MakerBot I mean that's that's the premier consumer uh, printer which goes for about $2,000 it prints an ABS plastic but the resolution isn't super high quality so you can print uh, certain things in the home or for yourself or for your car things like that but it's not yet to the point where you can start to replace things but I think over the next couple of years it will get to that and so I don't necessarily want to get into the printing business, but I do think it would be really interesting to get into certain facets of that business. Like to have a GitHub of online, like...
0: 3D modeling specs and stuff like that. I mean, there's exactly. going to be like the Pirate Bay of specification. Yeah. In
1: fact, the Pirate Bay actually released. Uh, now they have a section for 3D parts. There you go. This is going to be, this is going to be huge. We're not, I'm not exactly sure and what, how this is going to work out, but it's going to be huge. Anyways, this brings us back to angel investing. You know, it would be great. Um, and it's very hard to start to kind of transition to get into something like that for us. I mean, we're not anywhere close to that. We look at that and we think, wow, that's We're like way closer great. to
0: Hustler. Right. Like I, I am way closer to used car salesman than <laughs> I am
1: to some guy who's doing disruptive technology platform. That's for damn sure. Hey, and it's taken a long time to realize that about ourselves. <laughs> But that's definitely something that I think would be cool to be able to get into. All right. So, we want to concretely help 100 people make the lifestyle
0: transition through internships this year, uh, plus, help a significant portion of our dynamite circle make an extra 10K this year.
1: And I think the hard part about this goal is uh, helping 100 people make the lifestyle transition is to make it transparent. Uh, this is something that I think we've struggled with is to, is to make it so everybody can see how it happens, how it works, and how it can work for them. And I think like that kind of articulation, that's really the hard part of this goal.
0: Yeah. And to give people concrete concrete places from which they can step into the script, whether that's a job or it's like a, a freelance gig or whether it's a connection or whether it's a piece of information something legitimate I don't want to be like now think about your core desires <laughs> I just don't want to be that guy like that's bullshit it's like okay everybody's in, everybody understands the core desire thing mindset's important that's cool I agree what do I do well Here's a guy who needs to hire somebody. Like here's a legitimate space at a a company. Here's a community that you can join. Here's a meetup that you can come to. These are people that want to help each other, that want to join up. I think we got to get more on that stuff. And finally, Ian and I would like to find... Fly business
1: class on every plane flight a year from now. Every flight, I want to fly business class. Let me just tell you real quick about my business class experience. And I know our buddy Matt out here is like, dude, I've been flying business class since like 2001. Get over it. Anyways, business class is baller. So uh, I had enough points to go ahead and upgrade on China Airlines. Thanks to my spending, by the way. Yes, thank you very much for that. <laughs> and so uh, I showed up to the 747, went upstairs, had a little seat. Wow. Yeah, basically every other row is removed, Uh, power seats. So it's awesome. But what's the hack here? you got this rewards card. Yeah, I think the real hack here is to have the rewards card that gets you into all the different lounges. So basically, I showed up to LAX two hours early, went to the lounge, unlimited alcohol, food, and Wi-Fi. (laughs) Don't let me in. (laughs) Right. Yeah, they had a tap in Taipei, by the way. So it was on tap. So I hung out in the lounge, they call your flight, you go down, you board early, you get in this totally baller plane, Uh, you lay down essentially flat. I show up to Taipei, you get into another lounge, so the has issue has is just how do you get stuff. into these lounges without buying a $1,000 ticket? Exactly. So part of the hack here is to accumulate enough miles that you get the card, right. which allows you to go into the lounge. And the real hack here is like how stress-free this is. So now I can see why guys don't mind traveling once a week to a different country. When you're on this plane, when you're in this environment, it's very stress-free, whereas we kind of have to zen ourselves out. <laughs> well, you
0: know, I think that this is a great business opportunity for people to listening to help people hack their travel in very concrete ways. I think it's too intimidating to get into this game of like having different credit cards and like going to different lounges. And what if I could join a membership group and because of that, you send me something that just lets me go to any lounge or like gives me the script. Right. I think there's a great opportunity there, by the way, anyway, flying business class on every single flight we take, that is absolutely the most ambitious thing on the roster. Let's get moving on to the quick tips, tricks
1: and or
0: funny jokes section. Also, Eric from the DC asked us a quick questions about our travel pack. So we'll talk about the best stuff in our kit right now for the quick tips. We're doing a lot of traveling. In fact, the next couple of weeks, we're just going to be on the road, buddy. We got right. Bali. We got Philippines. We got Thailand, um, maybe
1: Hong Kong. We got a bunch of stuff to do. So let's get talking about our kit. What do you got? Okay. So when I come to a hub like Bali, I generally bring my pilot's bag and a pilot's bag is a bag that fits in the overhead compartment. Right. I got a Delsey. I didn't really understand or know who they were before I bought it, but I guess they are like a pretty good brand. I got mine at Marshall's for like $35. <laughs> <laughs> now it did break once. I had to put some screws through the handle. Um, but keep in mind, I've had this bag for like five years. It's gone like all through Asia and it's, it's been everywhere. So when I come to a hub, I bring that Delsey, And what I do is I put my backpack in the bottom of it. I've got a North. North Face backpack that I can carry um, all of my stuff in, pretty essentially. Um, and so, when I come to a hub, like I said, bring the delsey. When I don't, I just bring the backpack. I use the North Face backpack. Um, another thing that's important in my travel gear is I have a nylon belt with a plastic clip. Luckily, I'm the only one that ever sees this belt because it's super, <laughs> it's super embarrassing. But it works really well because um, it's lightweight. It can get wet. Um, I also have a Coach wallet. This is something that's really important to me. Uh, initially, it was like $150, um, but it's made of really quality leather. You see, guys, like how often do you replace your wallet? Like once every like three or four years, something like that? Well, I
0: actually am on the same boat as you. I spent big money on my wallet. I don't know what brand it is, but it's, uh, it's a cowhide wallet as well. I do a bifold. Right. That's one of the few things that I just stepped up to the plate and I dropped 100 bucks on it because I thought, I don't want to spend $100 on stuff. I'll spend $100 on some lamb chops or something, but I hate buying stuff um, but i actually agree with the high quality wallet thing
1: and so i think that's a really good purchase in my mind because it's lasted me almost 10 years and it's something that i can get wet and i don't have to worry about uh wrapping this up for me i uh go von zipper sunglasses i get the real ones they're a hundred dollars i've had the last pair for the last six years i wear reef sandals because they're only about 15 dollars, and they usually last about three or four years as well word so I have Vaughn
0: zippers too, except for the knockoff versions, and I've had about five pairs of them in the last five weeks. <laughs> uh, you know, the the biggest things, um, I think the updates for us have been the noise-canceling headphones. Um, Ian's got the Beats, which I can't recommend enough. Thanks, actually, Mom. I'm going to suck it up and get a get a pair here in the next few months um i have a cheap pair of sony noise cans that i can link see up to they're like 30 bucks on amazon they work great
1: they actually are pretty good i mean i've worn yours and mine and i mean the difference isn't that profound
0: right but if you can drop the 300 bucks like it's hot it's worth it I mean, the
1: only problem with the beats and i know we're running long here but the only problem with the beats is that they're pretty big i mean it takes up a huge portion of my laptop bag right ex officio
0: underwear is still the biggest jam in town and also um, these really lightweight dry bags that are made for scuba divers. You can pick them up. Actually, the nicer ones are the nylon ones, not the ones with the plastic coating because they're smaller. And you don't actually need to submerge your stuff. So a dry bag is like something that is a waterproof bag that you roll up. And you can put all your stuff in there. It works great for laundry. works great for separating out dirty shoes and clean stuff in your pack. Right. Um, It's got a broad range of applications. So anyway, that's quick tips this time. Man, it's hot in this room. We have to turn off the AC to do the air conditioning. Let's go jump in the pool. Let's do it. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next Thursday morning on the Lifestyle Business Podcast. It's probably the best hour of our week. Absolutely. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on